You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Hey guys, hope that you are doing fantastic this week. We are in the fourth and final part of our series, One Another. We've been looking at different passages throughout scripture uh, that reference uh, how we are to live with one another. If you haven't uh, listened to any of these, you can listen to the previous three uh, sermons on the podcast right here, parts one, two, and three. This week, we are going to be in the book of Romans. This is another letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. Romans is arguably one of the most read books of the Bible by people today. And one of the reasons is that Paul is really straightforward. He's really concise with the way that he talks to the church in Rome. If you have a hard time reading the Bible or haven't started yet, this is a really good place to start. This letter was written between 50 and 60 years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And what's really interesting about this letter is that Paul actually isn't believed to have met the church in Rome. Um, that, that there's probably somebody who came to faith in Jesus. They started following the way and they planted this church in Rome. And Paul was still a disciple. He was still a discipler. He was somebody who they really, really desired his input on different things that they were facing. So he writes this letter to the church in Rome. It's this incredible letter that has so much wisdom in it. And tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this podcast, um, we are going to be in Romans chapter 15. Uh, so Romans chapter 15, we're going to start right at the very beginning verses one and two. It says this, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good and to build them up. The first point this week is that we are to be others oriented, others oriented. This is not just one of the main ideas of the series, but really one of the main ideas of the gospel that a, a life surrendered to Jesus also means a life dedicated to others. Oftentimes this idea is scary because our own humanity will try to convince us that that to survive, we must put ourselves first. But if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus as I do, we have to understand this, that we have to, to know that life is not about surviving, it's about surrendering. We have to decide if we are more concerned with surviving or surrendering. You see, there's this posture that Jesus models in the garden. He says, God, your will, Father, your will be done, not mine. And that would be the posture that we are called to as well. That no matter how uncomfortable the calling is, no matter how uncomfortable the situation is, that we'd say, hey, Lord, this isn't what I would choose for myself, but your will be done, not mine. And that regularly means putting others' needs ahead of our own, others' wants ahead of our own, their hopes and their dreams ahead of our own as well. But here's the thing. What many of us have probably realized over our lives is that being others oriented can often result in things that turn out to be for our benefit. I think about mission trips that I've been on. I'm always going to serve, but I always leave way more filled up than I feel like I poured out. Like, yes, I I helped and I served and I think it's an incredible experience. Um, But man, the people that I've gotten to serve have never left less of an impression on me than I have made on them. Like I can guarantee that, that I have, I've been such uh, the recipient of a blessing from the people that I've gotten the opportunity to serve. I think about even just like simple circumstances. I I will never forget. um, It was like 2013 and I was an intern here at Faith Chapel and I was interning in our missions department. And uh, my boss at the time, our local missions pastor said, Hey, on Saturday morning, super early, we're going to go to the rescue mission. We're going to, we're going to cook dinner or cook breakfast. And then we're going to serve breakfast. And I was not super pumped about that, but it was a part of my responsibility. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Like I'm going to show up even if it's reluctantly, like I'm going to show up. 
So we get there at like six o'clock in the morning, we cook breakfast, we serve breakfast, and then we're getting towards the end of the line. And then the r- director of the rescue mission says, Hey, would you just go around and check on people, make sure that they're doing okay. And I was at the time also working at Olive Garden. And so I was like, yeah, I will crush that. I'll be so good at checking on tables. And so I go to the, the very first table. I'll never forget this. Um, and I'm like, Hey, is there anything else I can get you? And this guy's sitting by himself and he looks at me strangely and he's like, no, but will you sit down? I was like, well, I wasn't really expecting this, but I sat down and uh he goes what's your name i told him my name he's like tell me your story and so i give him this like you know 90 second story um where i was at in life uh my wife and i larissa were pregnant with our first child at the time and and i was interning and all this stuff but it took me like literally like two minutes and then nelson this is this guy's name nelson i'll never forget nelson he he proceeds to tell me his story uh for 30 plus minutes and I was just in awe of his story, like Vietnam vet trying to get back into a relationship with his kids who were probably in their forties or fifties at the time. He's probably in his seventies, but he just like this incredible story of heartache and success and failure and all these different things. And he'd been homeless for the last 15 or 20 years. And like, it was just, it was just this wild story. I felt like I was listening to the plot of a movie and he gets done and I'm just like, wow. And he goes, Evan, can I pray for you? And I'm like, no, I feel like I should be praying for you. And he's like, no, I want to pray for you. And I don't remember what he said, but what I do remember is that the Holy Spirit was so, so evident in that moment that I was being blessed by this man. I've never seen him again in my life. And, uh, but I'll, I'll never forget what he did for me that day. And in a moment where I reluctantly stepped into serving other people, man, I was served in a really big way because I think that this is the important thing for us to always remember that as we are others oriented, Jesus is always us oriented. He is always, always looking at us and he's for us, and he's with us. So as we are there for one another, he's someone who's always there for us. Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 4 goes on to say this. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. I really don't know if we fully understand the impact and gravity of the written word. It, it too often becomes a relic on a shelf instead of a guide in our hand. We have incredible access to ancient texts, more readily available than, than arguably they've ever been before. I mean, I can say like, hey, Siri, show me the... See, my computer is freaking out right now because I just said, hey, Siri. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, but I can say that and be like, show me the book of Romans. And, and she would. Like, she would show me the book of Romans. And yet I have to drag myself out of bed some mornings to even spend 10 minutes in the word or, or make it a priority like with all my other things. And sometimes it falls on my list and sometimes it gets skipped over. And I think what's really important for us to understand is what we have access to. The, the, the written word, the word of God is this incredible tool, this incredible guide for us to dive into anytime we want to. I mean, we have it on our phones. Like people, I, people died to preserve it. People have done so many things to preserve the word and people would die today just to get a chance to read it themselves. And yet sometimes we have to convince ourselves to spend any time in it. You see, Paul says, it says everything that was written was written to teach us in this passage. It talks about two specific things that are taught to us and that's endurance and encouragement. When it comes to our lives, how many of us would say that, that we live with great endurance and I'm not talking about physical endurance, but spiritual endurance, relational endurance, endurance. In this race called life, how many of us would have the capacity to keep going when our humanity wants us to quit? When our humanity wants us to quit on the calling, when our humanity wants us to quit on the people around us, 
how many of us have the endurance to keep going? I think we all struggle with that on some level, but the word is designed to not just tell us to have endurance. It's not just saying like, hey, have endurance, but it also encourages us towards that endurance. Isaiah chapter 40, 31, it says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You've got this. And then Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every single morning. You can have great endurance because his compassions never fail and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, I say to myself. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is my portion. And thus, I can have great endurance. We will find the endurance necessary if we are people who lean into him and lean into his word. As a pastor, I feel like I'm just saying the same things over and over and over again. Hey, you need to you need to spend time praying. You need to spend time praying. You need to spend time in your Bible. And the people are saying to me, like mentors and stuff, like, how are you spending time in the Bible for yourself? Are you spending time in prayer for yourself, for your family, not just, just praying for other people's prayer requests? Like, And I'm like, yes, I'm just like, it's just like cyclical. And it's like, oh my gosh, I hear it too much. And I, I just want to tune it out. But the reason that we hear that so much is because it's so incredibly important that we would find encouragement through prayer. We would find encouragement through the word. We would find endurance through those things as well. It's so important that we are people who find endurance through the encouragement of the, of the word of God. So as we are encouraged towards endurance, we will find hope. And hope is something that we're all looking for. It's something that we all need. But it doesn't end there. Verse 5 of Romans chapter 15 goes on to say this. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other, towards one another, that Christ Jesus had. The same attitude of mind. As God and Scripture encourages us towards endurance, we get to do that for others. We get to do that for each other so that they, that we, may be able to find Jesus. So as the word encourages us towards endurance, as the Lord encourages us towards endurance, we get to encourage other people towards endurance as well, that they may find hope in Jesus. Paul is talking to the individual members of the church in Rome, but he is also talking to the collective community. The next verse, verse six, it goes on to say this, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God, the father of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So with one, one mind and one voice, that together as a community of believers, we would be an encouragement towards the world around us. I want people to look at my individual life and I want them to be encouraged towards Jesus. And I'm sure that you do too. But I also want people to look at this family that we've built. Like like if you're in Billings and you come to College Age Movement on a regular basis, like that physical family, but the family of believers, like the Big C Church. I want people to look at the church, the movement of Jesus and be encouraged towards him, not hesitant to get any closer. We are so far from being Jesus. We are broken and we are messy and we're trying to love messy, broken people. And and it's just convoluted and, and there's so much in it. But what I do know is that if we are diligent to following the call on our lives and, and we just try to be a little bit more like Jesus every single day and people see a reflection of Jesus in us, they will be encouraged towards him. And that's the whole point. Romans chapter 15 verses seven through 10, it says this, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews and behalf on behalf of God's truth so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. 
as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. Gentiles, I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. Rejoice you Gentiles with his people. Sometimes things. Sometimes I think we fail to recognize how radically different the message of Jesus was to that culture. The good news that he brought was not for a specific group of people, but for all people. The world wasn't just divided by religion. It was divided by race and, and nationality, social status, affluence, and influence. Maybe it wasn't so different than our world today. When Jesus said, this isn't just for the chosen people of Israel, but for Gentiles as well, he was blowing the doors off. Gentiles weren't a small group of people. I think that there's this misconception sometimes you had like, oh, the Jewish people and then the Gentiles were like another nationality of people. No, Gentiles just meant all non-Jewish people. And as you can imagine, when Jesus comes and said, this isn't just for Jews, just not just for the chosen nation of Israel, but for the Gentiles as well, like that meant every single person. And that created some relational complexity. The Gentiles brought a ton of cultural beliefs and practices that the Jewish people did not agree with. And the Jewish people had a bunch of laws and rules that predated Jesus and needed to be sifted through. It was messy. There was judgment and there was disagreement all over the place. I mean, you had Gentiles who had been worshiping pagan gods the week before, and now they're a part of the movement of Jesus. And you had these Jewish people who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but then they experienced Jesus in this incredible way. And now all of a sudden they're like, yeah, okay, well, like a week ago, I was an Orthodox Jew. Like I didn't believe that Jesus is who he said he was. And 50 years ago, he died on a cross, but I thought he was just like this, this random rabbi. But but now I believe that he is who he said he is. So you have all these different backgrounds and all these different beliefs and all these different things that, that are now in unison being like, okay, but we're going to put everything aside and we're going to follow Jesus, but we still have a ton of baggage, every single one of us. And so Paul, as he's te- teaching and he's, he's writing this letter and he's talking to the church in Rome, he, he he's saying like, this is for everybody, you guys. So you guys need to work this out. And it, it kind of brings us to a point that's been coming up over and over again in my life over the last couple of years. And is this is acceptance versus affirmation. Acceptance versus affirmation. This is a concept that I don't think that we really understand that well. Like, did you know that it's possible to accept someone and love someone right where they're at without affirming everything that they're doing with their life and everything that they are? Did you also know that you can love someone that you disagree with? Like, I know that that's crazy. Like, that's, it doesn't seem like that's a concept that most of us believe because we look at our world and we're like, yeah, most people cannot love someone that they disagree with. Like, for example, like, I I don't know who you are right now. I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. I don't know where you're at right now, but, but I want to say this, like, as somebody who gets the, the opportunity to speak in your life, like, I hope you know, like, I love you and, and I hope that many of you love me. But what I also know is that not every single thing in your life is something that I agree with. Not every single opinion that you have is something that I agree with. Not every action that you take, not every word that you speak is speak is something that I agree with. And the same would be said as you look at my life. But guess what? We can still love each other. We can still be for each other. You see, love is not agreement. Love is not affirmation. Let me say that again. Love is not agreement. Love is not affirmation. Our culture has decided that real love is standing next to someone and agreeing and affirming and everything about them and everything that they do. But real love is recognizing your differences and standing with someone anyway. Real love is disagreeing with someone and making the intentional decision to love them as Jesus would. That is real love. I don't want people around me that just agree with me. That doesn't make me think that they love me. 
I want people who, who stick with me even when I make stupid mistakes and they're willing to call out my mistakes and they're willing to, to, to speak into my life. Now, there's a caveat that we always have to be really, really aware of is that, that as brothers and sisters in Christ, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we get to hold each other to certain standards. If you're listening to this and you are spiritually unresolved, you have not decided to follow Jesus. You haven't surrendered your life to Jesus. Hey, first of all, thanks for listening. But second, know this, like you aren't held accountable to the things that we are held accountable to. If you follow Jesus and you have people in your life that don't follow Jesus, don't go and say, well, the Bible says and Jesus, they don't care. That's not, it's not their standard right now. So don't spend your time telling people how they should act. Tell, start, spend your time telling people how much you love them and how much you accept them. And it doesn't mean that you affirm that. It doesn't mean like, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with everything that you do, but you can love people even in disagreement. See, the church in Rome, the early church had to make the decision on whether they were going to be exclusive or inclusive. And we have to make the same decision today. Are we going to be exclusive or inclusive? You see, my prayer is that we would be the least exclusive club ever, that, that there's no standard that we would understand, like wherever you're at, no matter who you are, yep, you're in, you're in, you're in. Jesus loves you right where you're at. You can be a part of this family, even if you don't believe all the same things that we believe, that we want people to feel like they belong before they believe. There's not any boxes that you need to check before you're loved, before you're accepted, before we're willing to walk life out with you. We are the least exclusive place around. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a group of people who agree about all things. Like, yeah, yes, the big things. Like, we believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We believe that he's the son of the God, son of God. We believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through him. Like, that is something that we will never, ever falter or, or, or waver on. We're not going to drift doctrinally away from that. But, like, if, if you want to ask me, like, if I believe the earth was created in seven days or not, or if you want to ask me, like if I think that revelation is a literal representation of the end times or, or if, if the apostle John was like on Patmos and maybe was like super hungry and maybe hot, like, like not high, like on drugs, but like, like was delusional and, and was being completely neglected of water and food and was also writing letters to the church in Rome, like, through centurions and having to code like all I'm trying to say through all of that is that we can interpret different things different ways as long as they're not the big things one of the things that we talk about all the time here are essential there are essential things to the gospel and there are non-essential things that we can have conversations with and those non-essential things are never ever ever going to take place of our relationships we're never going to be willing to lose relationships over non-essential things that we would be people who are constantly in pursuit of each other and constantly in pursuit of Jesus's heart and then we would be able to challenge each other and we'd be able to stretch and we'd be able to grow with one another and we would be able to encourage one another. And at the end of the day, we're all pushing each other towards Jesus and a better understanding of who he is. In this short passage, uh, verse 13 of Romans chapter 15, Paul just kind of says a blessing over the church in Rome. And so what I want to do is I, I just want to end with this. So if you have the ability to close your eyes wherever you're at, would you take a minute and just close your eyes? If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Um, but just hear these words. As Paul speaks to the church in Rome, would we hear these words for us as well? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.